and welcome to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Pistol. How are we, mate? Uh, very good, thank you. Uh, sorry about the Thursday podcast uh, community. Chizo's computer had a hard drive malfunction, so we, even though it was uh, recorded, it was swiftly uh, not accessible, and uh, hopefully he's going to fix that by this Thursday. So, Chizo's fault? <laughs> yeah, basically, just Chizo's fault. Blame Chizo. Um, <laughs> well, we'll jump straight into how our weeks went, Pistol. Would you like to kick us off? Oh, uh, would I ever. Um <laughs> I had a great week, um, 21 players playing and managing to only score 16.36. Um, I think I had seven scores below 54, um, so that was quite impressive. And I managed to fall quite a bit to 373rd, so that was uh, quite a big tumble. But hopefully now being able to get a pretty much full team on the park, um, I'm looking forward to yeah making, making way uh, in the coming weeks. How did your week go, JB? I went a little bit better. I think I only had the 19 playing. Um, I scraped through 17, 18. Uh, fell 44 positions, uh, not so bad, uh, down to 246. So could be worse, Pistol. I could have scored what you did. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a confidence booster for you. Um, we'll jump straight into the round recap, and we started off with West Coast beating Geelong. And as I do most rounds, Pistol, I started this one 0 for 1 in the tipping. Um, but it was, I mean, you could tip this from a mile away. Dangerfield, 141 points. VC option straight into that C. Um, pretty much does it every single week now. I know he's obviously well and truly back, but 690k, three huge scores in a row. He's just, he, he, if he's not your VC or C every single week, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, no, he's uh, back to that auto-captain, which is great for us because it's uh, less of a headache having to figure out which captain to choose when he's not playing. Yeah, it was very shaky for a while there when he was scoring the 80s and 90s or low 100s and we were scratching our heads at who to captain. But thankfully he's back and we hopefully don't have to worry with one of those conundrums again. Um, Elliot Yo, 117. So um, great to see him put out such a decent score without Josh Kennedy. He should be back soonish, I'm pretty sure. Um, the fact that Yo is getting that in a forward midfielder role and out of his sort of defensive role, very, very good signs for owners. Yeah, he, he's just playing everywhere at the moment. I think uh, the team will be much more settled when uh, JJK comes back. So hopefully he'll go um, straight back and play purely as a, a defender, because he scored so well there. I mean, he's scoring well wherever he is. He's just a talented player. Yeah, he's a great player. So really come out of his shell, broken out of that inconsistent old self. So he's no longer the yo-yo. Um, and speaking of defensive players, Zach Tui, just 78 pistol. Now, we've spoken about Heath Shaw in the past as a, a probable trade-out option if you're um, really going for a point-of-difference move or um, trying to chase those ranks down. Zach Tui is another one where if you started the season with him, you're happy with his progress, but just the 78, and it seems to be happening every second week like that, is he someone that you'd look to upgrade if you're full premium and had a few trades to play with? Yeah, he definitely would be. Look, he's got a five-round average now of 85. Um, he's pretty much peppering that mark. I think uh, it's time to go. There's a lot of options this year actually you know, averaging quite well above 90, even the 95 range, um, who aren't even that much more expensive than him. So... If you do have a spare trade, I'd probably look to offload him. Otherwise, maybe you can manage to shift him towards a D7 or um, yeah, something around the likes of that. Yeah, definitely try and work him um, away from your field because he's just not um, he's not a consistent scorer at the moment. Tom Stewart pushed out a 74, which is great to see. 
he's just really giving us a burst of cash um, that we didn't really expect. I, I expect him to sort of stop the cash flow at around 280k um, when I looked a few weeks ago, but up to 326k now, and he could be your best trade-out option this week. Joel Selwood just the 73, so his run of games at Skilled Stadium and his run of big scores seem to have come to a halt. But as a Joel Selwood owner pistol, are you too worried about his um, scoring potential from now to the end of the season? Uh, not really. I mean, it's it's a bit frustrating uh, owning Selwood at times, but you know he plays um, next week back in his uh, lovely home where he'll probably score 130 plus. Um, you just take it. It's it averages out by the end of the year. So yeah, he's someone I'm not really too worried about. Yeah, he's got a very good run home um, with quite a few games at still skilled stadium to come, so I wouldn't be too stressed. Um, James Parsons played a full four quarters and scored 51. Um, Scott Selwood played half a game and scored 44, so um, <laughs> not ideal for James Parsons' owners. But the main news in that is Scott Selwood, 44. Um, we heard the news today that it was a hamstring um, strain. Definitely out this week. Um, he did say he ho- doesn't hope to miss too much footy. What can you read into that? Because if I was Scott Selwood and I knew I was only missing a week, I'd say I'm rested this week. I should be back next week. But not looking to look, miss too much footy sounds a little worse than just the one week at Pistol. Yeah, I think they said it was a, actually a small tear, JB, not another strain. Um, and he said it will he'll miss at least a week. Uh, with a return, hopefully not too soon. So to me, obviously, when you read at least a week, um, you think, well, probably he's going to miss two. It, it is Scooter, who is like injury-prone as well. So I'm thinking uh, he might be missing probably the three. Um, it depends where he is on your field for what I would do with him. If if you already have him at M9, which some people do, um, then you can just hold him. Um, or if he's playing as your M8, then you've just got to trade him, I guess. There's no other way around it. Well, Barra only has a 55 break even. Um, he's got a little bit more money to make, and he had a great second half. If you had both Barra and um, Scott Selwood, and you're going to upgrade one of them to a premium, who would you be looking at? Because if Scott Selwood misses a month, he's probably not going to make you any more cash that you could actually use because you're not going to upgrade him at that point. And Barrett definitely does have um, a little bit more cash to make, and he's um, he's actually scoring and playing at the moment. Of those two... Is Barrett still the one that you'd trade out just in case Scott comes back quicker than you think? Uh, that's a good question. I think if you're using them as cash cows, then you probably want to trade out um, Scooter just because Barrett's got a bit more money to make. But obviously, if you're using um, Scooter as cover or you're using him um, as yeah, well, cover as a loophole option, then I'd, he'd be someone that I'd hold rather than a Barrett because Barrett's not going to be good to hold uh, much later in the season. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, moving on to the next game, it was St. Kilda versus North Melbourne. Saints cut up by 17 points there and put me 0 for 2 in my tipping for the week. Um, Todd Goldstein in this one. No Braden Proust, obviously, but he still has been up and down without him. 128 off the 17 disposals, 2 marks, 2 free 4, and 33 hitouts pistol. Is that the sort of game we've been looking at Todd, looking for Todd Goldstein to have before we actually start considering him as a, a decent rock upgrade? Yeah, it's definitely promising signs. Um, I think there's a lot in the media at the moment about Bruce being uh, perhaps a bit unhappy 
um, not being able to get a gig and absolutely smashing the VFL. So it'll be interesting to see what Ruse do when they're ruled out of finals calculation if they give him some games. But um, look, Gorn is going to play this week and then you've got Todd Goldstein. If It seems like you just may as well wait for Gorn at this stage. If you wait, waited this long to get a Ruckman, um, just wait a week for Gorn. is going to be the same price as Goldstein then anyway. So um, yeah, it's great that it's coming to form for owners, but it's probably not high on anybody's uh, priority list at the moment. Yeah, Priestley did have 48 hitouts, 18 disposals, and five marks in the second. So, still just right there. Like he, he's doing everything he possibly can, and then some to get back into the team. But um, obviously, they with North Melbourne wanted to go solo, Goldstein, and you know they still want to make the finals because they um, commented on it during the week uh, that there was still a good chance to do so. So. Um, I, I guess when they get ruled out of finals contention, then we might be seeing some some Proust come back into the side, Goldstein resting, as you said earlier. Um, Dylan Robertson in this game, 119 points. Um, he's up to 515k. People expect him to drop a little bit more with a... He had a slightly hefty break even this week. He's not going to do that, Pistol. Robertson now, if you're making your final upgrade and it just so happens to be in defence, you don't have Dylan Robertson as he's still a decent POD. Is he someone that you just jump on? Yeah, if you don't have him, I think um, at 515k, it's quite a nice price. And look, he's, as you said, he's only in 6.5% of teams and he's averaging 104, which to me is quite crazy um, as a defender averaging well over 100 to not be in that many teams. I mean, it just screams pick me, especially with uh, St. Kilda's relatively uh, kind as well run home. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Mountford came back into this one with a 59. He's still 123 um, okay, so he's actually on the bubble now after playing one game earlier in the season. Is he someone... I mean, we'll talk a little bit about the rookies later. Is he someone that's on your radar if you're making a midfield downgrade? Um, not for me personally. The job security there with um, Andrew Swallow basically banging down the, the VFL door, I think... Um, yeah, it, look, I think he will get games um, sporadically throughout the season. I'm just not sure you can count on him to play. And also, at this stage of the year, I'm not sure if people are trading in for cash cows or for cover. Um, if you want someone for cover, maybe wait for someone. I'm sure someone will have better job security a bit later uh, than Declan Mountford. But um, if you need a cash cow right now um, and you need a midfield option, well, there's pretty much no one else playing. So yeah, your hand is kind of forced. But <laughs> JB, I, I noticed you did miss on purpose uh, Sean Higgins' score of 82 um, yeah, great score. <laughs> great score. You happy with that? That's that's premium output. Um, now, nah, Sean Higgins, he has this thing where sometimes he just you know rests and lets lets the mortal players um, think that he's he's one of them sort of thing. He, he just sort of hides there. But eighty two, I mean that's that's just a build up to next week's one forty. So I wouldn't be too stressed about that. Well, he has a five round average now of eighty seven and a season average of ninety one. I'm just thinking, JB, is it possible that Higgins was not actually that good of a pick? No. Um, <clears throat> come on, Pistol. I mean, I know you're trying to bait me in here, but <laughs> five-round five average of 87. I mean, like I said, sometimes he just lets everyone think he's one of them. I mean, this year he's doing it a little longer than expected, but uh, I'd expect him to come out with a 120-plus. In fact, I, I'm guaranteeing that he comes out with a 110 plus next week that's a, a big guarantee i'm guessing there'll be a donation to the cancer council if uh things don't pan out that way 30 dollars will happily fall into the cancer council if 
Higgins doesn't score 110 plus next week. <laughs> That's pretty huge. I'm, I'm not sure you know who North Melbourne are playing next week either. So uh. doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter unless they have their own Sean Higgins. It's it's just not going to matter. Pistol. Okay. Fair enough. Well, um, good luck, uh, I guess. <laughs> well, let's move on to the, the next game. The next game, thus sending me 0-3 in my footage hits, is Sydney-Richmond. Um, Sydney winning by nine points in this one and frustrating Richmond supporters and the idiots that actually tipped them. Um, Batcha Hooley in this one, he raises a very interesting argument. He's been a premium defender in years past, not really looked at at all this year, so that's a bit of a point of difference. 129 points in this one pistol. His last month's actually been really, really good. Yeah, no, he's he scored 127, 139, 129 all in a row. Um, he's in 2.3% of teams, which is nothing. Averaging 95, um, five-round average of 110. Basically, hasn't really scored poorly except for round one um, the entire season. So he's also a really sneaky um, backline pick. The only problem to me is that he's 20k more expensive than Robertson. So... I'm not sure you can justify picking him above Robertson, but it's certainly, um, if you definitely want that point of difference going into finals or, or your league, I think um, he's quite a savvy pick. He's 70k more expensive than his teammate Alex Rance, who was able to put out a 109. What do you think about him? Because um, he's one that's obviously been highly touted in our back lines for years now, but not again, just not an option this year. Is it? Well, it's probably because Richmond's winning, to be honest. Um, but 466k, is he even a little option for us? Look, I'm not convinced on Rance. I think he was on 10 points at halftime. I know he had like an amazing second half, you know, scoring 100 points in a half is ridiculous no matter what position you are. But at the end of the day, I think um, Richmond are probably better placed than they have been before. And I see them winning quite a lot of games throughout the rest of the year. Um, sorry for getting your hopes up, Tigers fans, when it inevitably does not happen. But um, just I don't think the ball is going to be there that often. And this year, when Richmond do really well, Rance just hasn't scored particularly well. It's only averaging 90, um, which is okay. It's maybe enough, but it's certainly not you know somewhere that you'd want rather than your D6 position. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Isaac Heaney in this one, 106. So for those who went him over Buddy, got a, a big 60-point boost in this game. Um, he's looking really, really good throughout the midfield. And as is Dustin Martin with a 106, he's 620K now. Call me crazy, but I feel like that's a little bit too much to spend on Dusty Martin. <laughs> I'm not going to call you crazy. With Dusty, it's always risk-reward. You know he could have a month where he scores 150 every game or he could score 80 every game. Um, you never know what you're going to get. I guess that's half the fun with Dusty Martin. But if you're willing to pay 620k, um, go for it. But it's just the risk-reward there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, JPK and Jake Lloyd swapped jumpers in that last quarter. JPK came home with a massive 60-plus point last quarter while Jake Lloyd put up three points pistol. So... Um, definitely a switch in form there. JPK was just massive, and that's I suppose that's why people get him in. 547K is around the mark of some of the other midfielders that we'll be looking at later, so we will discuss him a little bit more later on. Um, but obviously for those who already own him and aren't looking to trade him in, just a great game um, from him. And then you look down the list, and Dan Hannabury, we thought he was past this pistol, only 66 points from 25 disposals. No, that is very uh, disappointing for Hannah's. Um Look, it's one of these years for, for the Swans. I know they got over the line, but um, I think they're going to be pushing for finals, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. And if they're going to make finals, you know, Hanabry and JPK, all these players have to fire. So 
Um, I'm expecting him to bounce back and bounce back hard. But I just want to say um, we did skip over Nick Newman. Um, he did score 104. If you do have him as your D6, should you upgrade them, grade him, or should you just hold him? He's, he is now averaging 92 JB. Right now, if I was making the decision like this second, I had him in my team this week, it depends who I'd be missing. I feel like you'd, you'd make up at least 10 to 15 points getting Dylan Robertson in for him. But at the same time, who can your other defenders be? Because if I had Heath Shaw and Nick Newman, I'd be trading out Heath Shaw before I'd be trading out Nick Newman. It's a huge call, but Newman, I mean, um, there was a tweet earlier today from Frico um, just saying that he, he averages elite for tackles in defense, um, in defense, and also I think it's elite for clearances. I'm, I'm probably not getting that right. But he's just killing it for a first-year player. I wouldn't be looking to trade him out unless he gave me a serious reason to. Yeah, pretty much I think uh, I would trade him out to a, a Jake Lloyd. But if you're not doing that transfer, then considering you have to pay 100k pretty much for any other defender, it might not be worth it. Um, I, I think uh, he's holding his own as a, a D6 option. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Buddy, 48 in this game. So Sydney did get over the line. I think it was more frustration with what was happening with Rance in the background than an actual dip in form by Buddy but just not what you want to see if you own him if you were looking to trade someone in uh, he's actually at a decent price now and definitely will be in the next couple of weeks (laughs) well he has a break even of 134 I should say he has a 10 game average against Essendon of 129 JB 10 games Uh, that's a large sample size um he, it's his favorite team that he plays against in the entire competition. Um, I should say that last time, I think, not not last time against the Baby Bombers, um, I should say Band Bombers, but when he played on Hurley last time, Hurley did have the better of Buddy, but it was in the wet, so maybe not the best uh, game, considering every other game he's pretty much dominated for his entire career. He could hit that break even this week, so 471 is going to be close to um, maybe the cheapest you can get Buddy on the, on the run home if that is someone that you want to get in at this stage. Yeah, he looks like a bit of an option. There are probably better options in the forward line, but I don't think many of them can have a buddy game and just go 160 out of nowhere. The next game is Port Adelaide versus Brisbane. And it's such a strange game because Port Adelaide fans after the game would have been going, oh, like we, we played so bad and we won. And Brisbane fans after the game would have been like, yes, we played so well and they ended up losing. So um, a very strange game there, but an actual interesting one to watch. Zorko was the main one in this uh, in this game. 12 tackles to go with these 32 disposals, two goals, two. So he could have gone way bigger than he did. But 143, he's now up to dusty range, um, 610k. I don't think that's too much to pay for someone who's only dipped below the ton twice this year, Pistol. Oh, man. And his last three games, 143, 129, 130. Like, geez, that is... That is a lot, but it's the same, 610k, that's also a lot to spend. Um, I don't know, as I said, well, as you said, call me crazy, I don't know if it feels like Zorka is worth that amount of money. He, he's a nice POD as well, um, in 5% of teams. It's just a lot of money to pay for anyone, really, but he's showing he's in unbelievable form. Um, I guess the other Brisbane mids didn't fire as well, which probably uh, helped him a little. Um, he was doing everything by himself. Um JB, just quickly, did you get this tip right, or are you officially the world's worst tipper? No, sorry, um, I was one for four at this point. I, I luckily got this tip right. Oh, okay, I just wanted to confirm because you'll be, you'll be intri- 
You'll be interested to know what I actually ended up on. It's quite funny. No, um, no one's interested. So if Robbie Gray <laughs> bounced back into form. Yes, they are. Everyone's interested. I had comments on the last podcast saying, Jordan, why don't, JB, why don't you talk about your tipping war? Uh, all the all these people were like, I'd, strangers approached me on the streets and just be like, mate, we want to hear about your tipping. That's a hot topic, this one. I don't think you understand. Um, Robbie Gray bounced back to form in this one with a 129. 430k pistol. Eh? The M9 option, no? No, probably not. Not this year. Maybe you can pick him as a forward <laughs> next year. I'd, I'd be staying yeah. away from Gray. Yeah, he's a bit pricey for someone that's really done something maybe once every three weeks. Um, the next to talk about here, Paddy Ryder, 119 points, 40 hitouts in this one. Um, he's just a tapping machine, two goals as well. Now, Pistol, there's a little a little bit of a niggly injury with Toby Nankovic that we heard. If he were to go down, would this be a, a trade that you would even consider, considering Ryder's form seems to be going up while Nanks seems to be going down? It could save some people a donut. Well, I mean, his three games prior to this uh, good score was an 81, 81, and 69. I can't really say he's in fantastic form. Um yeah, that's a really tough situation. If you have Nank in your your ruck, uh, I'd try not to cop a donut. But yeah, if you have him as your F6, we'll, we'll see. I think uh, Toby will be okay. They just said he had a, a bit of a, a corky. Um, so they, they'll give him until the match to make sure he proves his fitness. Let's just, we'll, we'll deal with that if uh, he's named out on the Thursday podcast. <laughs> All right. I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Um, Steph Martin, just the 72 in this one. Not that bad considering he's on such a bad halftime score. Um, he, had a, he had a net complaint for a lot of the first half and um, it wasn't really wasn't really spoken about by the commentators so nobody really knew everyone thought that it was just Archie Smith making it so he had a stinker but um, he spent quite a bit of time on the bench 72 from him if you were an owner obviously you wouldn't be looking to do anything with him 486k if you were someone about to trade a Ruckman pistol is he someone that you'd now look at harder or is Archie Smith just, just killing his vibes look I think um, Shaki dominated in the kneeful, and he might come in um, for Archie eventually if, if they decide to go that route, in which case Martin's going to be a massive bargain. He's 486k. Um, again, you may as well wait for Gorn at this stage because Gorn could go 120+. plus. We, we know he's capable of doing that. Um, he, he is tempting. Uh, I'm not going to say he's a bad pick, but he's certainly someone just to keep your eye on and see how Gorn performs. I don't know if... Uh, Hopefully Gorn gets through it unscathed, but if something uh, does happen to Gorn, probably uh, Steph would be my, my the ruck I'd be looking at next. Yeah, 100% agree there. Um, Steph's been on most of our radars, I think, all season. And then Archie Smith came in right around his behind and sort of just ruined him for everyone. Everyone sort of saw Archie came in. He went from being a, a hot trading target to um, just not really. Um, so Rockcliffe had 59 in this one. Again, if you were an owner, you'd be you'd be pulling your hair out. His break even's up to one ninety one, and he's not that expensive. If you weren't an owner, pistol would would this be blood in the water for sharks? <laughs> Look, I should say Rockliffe scored fifty nine, but he only played twenty three minutes in the second half. Um, they said he was throwing up for most of the second half, but there was also some. I think. I guess we'll say rumours um, that he had a sore groin or something as well. So I don't think anyone knows really what's up with Rockcliffe. Um, I'm just going to say his shoulder's sore because uh, I think we know that. Um, really, he's put in two very poor performances. Clearly, he's not 100% with his body. 
I would be staying away at this stage. I know if uh, you do have him, he could come home like a freight train, um, just banging out you know those 120 scores because he's capable of it. But if his body's failing him, then there's not much you can do except uh, pray. I don't think um, it's worthwhile trading him out considering what he's capable of. But I certainly wouldn't be trying to get him in um, until at least we see something. Yeah, definitely. We'll jump into the next game that sent me one for five in my tipping, and that's Carlton getting over Gold Coast by 10 points. Bryce Gibbs in this one, pulling out something that's only happened one other time this season. Uh, it was Gary Abel, I think, was the only other one. Was he, was he the only other one, or <laughs> did Josh Kelly get one? No, there was just one 200 score. Okay, Gary Abel was the only other one. Um, Bryce Gibbs with 43 disposals, 8 marks, 10 tackles, 4 frees, 4, 2 goals, 208 supercoach points. Unbelievable pistol. And in 0.7% of teams, so not even... Many people could take advantage of this one, JB. And I actually versed someone who had him in one of my leagues. So 0.7 teams, how, what are the odds of that, Pistol? Well, very low, obviously. <laughs> Sam Doherty in this one. 153 points, was just racking them up off halfback. Um, obviously a sensational option. He's going to go higher again. He's going to get up to about 650k next week with a lowish break even for him just in scintillating form um cruiser 144 points if you traded him in a few weeks ago you'd be licking your lips he's been in red hot form as well Cade simpson 142 points this is just carlton all over pistol just an amazing performance yeah that, that is incredibly high super coach scores uh, for a team that didn't actually annihilate their opponent um they won by 10 points but the super coach scores are reading like a team that won by 100 yeah no doubt gary ablett someone who wasn't able to crack 100 as well as mark murphy both getting 97 if uh gary's another one where if you're trading in a premium is he one that you'd consider you know the history you know how well he can come home another nine tackles this game so the shoulder still doesn't seem to be an injury uh, an issue 25 disposals, didn't take a mark, didn't kick a goal, which is un-Gary-like, and had three frees against. Is this an outlier? Is he still someone that we should be looking to trade in? I think it will just be heavily dependent on the person. Like, if you think Gold Coast... I mean, you can look at their draw. It's very easy. Well, I should say easy, but they also they just got trounced by Carlton um, at home. So, <laughs> if you think Carlton... Sorry, if you think Gold Coast are going to win a couple of games ahead, then I'd probably grab Gaz. But if you think they're going to get uh, trounced and just lose most of their matches and maybe stay away, there could be uh, better value options than Gaz at 610k. Um, it is a lot to spend on anyone. But at the same time, it's Gary Ablett. I mean... He can score anything, literally anything. So, um, yeah, again, another massive risk-reward pick. I think that's all your argument has to be, Pistol. It's Gary Ablett. <laughs> like, we know what he can do. He can go 130-plus at any given time, even if they are getting trounced. We know how good he was in those early Gold Coast days. But getting on a bit, you you want to hope that they're winning more games than losing in the run home for him to get that really high average. Um, Jared Witts was able to pump out a 72, which was still decent enough for the owners that had him. It just seems to be that sort of round where every premium scoring 72 is 72 seems to be the new 100 these days. Um, and Tom Lynch getting half of that, just about 37 points pistol. If you have Tom Lynch, how upset are you at this score against Carlton? You touted this as an easy 100 plus score. 
Um, well, I did stick to my guns and trade in Tom Lynch this week um, when Steele went down. Um, I was originally going to get Robertson, so by uh, Steele being out, it's cost me quite a lot of points. Um, to be fair, I didn't expect Tom Lynch to get towed up by uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Liam Jones. Um, <laughs> also, I mean, Carlton's game plan, it was pretty much... Uh, yeah, they, they just had everyone everyone back passing the ball around each other. That's why they all scored so well. And it was, it was a very, um, I guess, defensive gameplay. Um, Lynch had no chance in this one. Um, I'm hoping he bounces back because getting a, a 37, it's not great returns for someone that you just trade in. He now has three extraordinarily poor scores uh, for the year, 37, 29, and 43. But pretty much every other game, JB, is 87 and above. So... I'm going to just chalk this down as it's going to be the last time. He's going to have a stinker for the rest of the year and every other game above 87. That's what I'd like to think. Um, but maybe he isn't as good as we thought he would be. Nah, I'd honestly be shocked if he put out another sub-50 score for the rest of the season. He's that he's that good of a player. And um, although Carlton had a very, very defensive game plan, and that was quite obvious, he still... It was it was like an, it was an almost game for him. He almost took five six marks that he just dropped. He almost I mean from those marks would have had a few goals from twenty meters out. Like it was just one of those games that just went past him. He he had the somewhat key forward yips where he he was just dropping um, seemingly uncontested marks. He's one of the best contested markers in the game, and he was just putting them down all night. So um, I think it was a bit of an unlucky one for Lynch. I I do think it's an, an outlier. And he'll come home strong for the rest of the season. So if I own him, I definitely wouldn't be stressing. If I didn't own him, this gives you another opportunity to get him in at a very low price for him. So um, those who didn't trade him in this week or the week before, um, also looking very, very good. On to the last game, Pistol. The game that sent me one for six in my footy tips. Mitch Wallace, 114. Mid forward, 485k. This guy looks like... A genuine option for the run home. <laughs> I mean, you're going off a four-game sample size, so it's hard. To, it's hard to uh, take it seriously. I mean, he, he had two scores in the 80s. Uh, this is 114. He had his first game where he came back and he scored 132. Um, he is an option. He's in eight percent of teams already. JB, um, that's a ridiculous amount of teams wow. to be in. Um, I think he's a good option. I don't think he's the best forward option, but um, if you, I mean. It's not even that much of a POD to be, to be uh, quite frank. But he, he's a, a decent option nonetheless. Yeah, and I think we need to talk about the Bont pistol, five hundred and eight k. For people like me that traded him in around the six hundred k mark, what is happening? He scored under the. T- I'm, not, I'm not sure if he's if he's even turned up in his last five games. Twenty four disposals, so it was a higher disposal game for him. Seven tackles and a goal. Still not able to hit that hundred mark. What's happening to the Bond pistol? Would you be even looking at trading him in at 500k, considering he's scoring so low? I mean, it's a great question. I think uh, Bulldogs just aren't getting it done at the moment, and it's affecting all of them. I mean, Dalhouse and McRae are also scoring poorly. Bontempelli in particular isn't scoring well. It's crazy because he's got an average of 109. He's going to be around 500k flat, and yet I'm going to pass on him this year. It's very strange. I I don't think um, it's wise getting in somebody who's just in that bad form. I know he's going to be super value and I'd, I'd grab him if you need to finish off your midfield and you only have you know 510k and you really can't push to the upper echelon of, of premium uh, midfielders. But 
really, uh, if you had the extra 50K in your bank or 60K, I would look at other options rather than Bonson Pelly. Yeah, I mean, if you scored 110 last week in Bulldogs, you got closer to Melbourne, then I'll be looking at it more seriously. But a 90 score um, in a game that was quite open throughout the whole entire contest, just not what you want to see from Bond. And he just looked slow. He looked like he was jogging behind the play, walking behind the play even. Um, a lot of times they tried to force him as the next link in the chain and it, it just sort of just unraveled. Just not a good look for the Bond at the moment. Michael Hibbert was able to get 27 disposals, 11 marks, and the th- best on ground from the commentators watching the game. However, just an 82-point game, mostly due to freeze against and clangers, I think. But if you're a Hibbert owner, something you're not looking too harshly at. 82 points, that's fine as a, as a defender. And what usually would be a 100-plus game for him just got mucked up by a couple of... Wrong decisions, Pistol. Yeah, he had eight clangers. Um, I think it's very rare for him to have so many clangers. I mean, eight clangers is massive. So, yeah, let's chalk it down as um, he played played pretty well. Bad, bad super coach score, but, you know, next week he'll, he might even get four clangers and then you're looking at a 100-point score. Yeah, definitely. Um, finally, let's talk about Jason Johannesson. He's down to 385k and he's, he's going to dip lower. Just the 58 this round and the famous, uh, infamous game last week his break evens up to 148 he's expected to drop 35k if he scores similar to what he did this round um 10 points more than in this round even with a 68 which he's projected at is he too risky to go for considering he's such a taggable option like rory sloan was found out to be um a month and a half ago or is 350k for someone who's been averaging so well over the past year year or two really um injury free is that just too hard to pass up? It's crazy to think that, I mean, JJ is going to be 350k. Most of his scores this year, he hasn't really got um, a very high ceiling, but his floor has been particularly good, except in recent times. I mean, most of his scores are between um, 85 and 95 for the whole year, and then you've just got his last couple absolute stinkers, um, which obviously coincides with the downfall of uh, Bulldogs. But if they're going to bounce back, they're going to need JJ to bounce back. And I think... If you're looking at a D7 option, um, cover for the whole year and maybe a loophole option, getting in JJ at 350k, that's just insane value. And it's someone I would strongly look at, but only as cover, not as an actual D6 option, unless you have no cash available and you somehow you need to finish your team and you know you could you could get him in. That's probably the only way that I would be uh, playing him on the field week in, week out. Yeah, I don't think he's a great option, especially not now that um, he's getting so much attention. 350k, as you said, in excess of trades, getting him onto the bench as a D7 option, maybe switching him around with, um, if you still had Heater, um, if you have Newman, someone like that, that'd be ideal. That'd, that'd be a great situation to be in. I'd, I'd envy that situation quite a lot. Um, we're going to jump straight into the rookies now, Pistol, and... There just aren't many. Um, Ryan's the obvious one. Scored 87 in his most recent game before having the bye. On the bubble now, if you're downgrading a defender, there's well, it's Ryan or it's a floating donut. Which brings me to the topic. What would you do if you already had a decent cover on each line? Say I had Scharenberg in defense. I've got Scooter in um, midfield and say Greenwood on the bench in, in my forward line. Would you be looking to just get a floating donor, or would you still be going for these Ryans, even Callum Brown if he gets another game, John O'Beach if he gets a third game? 
Um, would you be looking at those players, or would you be going for that donut and just saving the extra 15k? Um, I think I would get Luke Ryan. Any rookie that can score 87, um, especially as a defender, only 117k as well, um, is someone probably worthwhile having just for that cover in case uh, injury strikes. I think Callum Brown, it's, I don't see him being a particularly great scorer, but fortunately, if he does get dropped, um, Collingwood are quite a good loophole option for the rest of the year, and he does have that DPP. Um I'm not sure I would go near Johnny Beach because Adelaide aren't very good um, for loophole options. Uh, they play a lot of early games uh, for the rest of the season in the round, so um, that's a big no-no. And his job security is probably not fantastic at this stage, especially with uh, Mitch McGovern coming back soon. Um, I think unless it's for Luke Ryan, um, you'd be okay trading in a 102k DPP. Um, I think there's a Josh DeLuca, Cardillo's uh, a Fremantle um, rookie 102k forward um, midfield option. He's who's also a good loophole option. I think um, you're probably safe trading him into the midfield or into the forward line just because you get that extra little of money out of him. Basically, you need all the money you can get. You can loophole with your captain. You can loophole, um, you know, with your players if you if you do have a scooter at M9 and if he actually does play again uh, during the season. It's just a, a good option to have. Um, so I'm definitely not against trading in a floating donut at this stage of the year. Yeah, and is Fremantle the best option to go with? I think Fremantle is probably the safest uh, bet to go with. Um, it's just there, there are other options, and it, it depends on who you are loopholing the player with. So you'd have to go through the fixture. I know it's a little bit of effort, but it's probably worthwhile in, in the long run just to see if the person you're loopholing um, with plays um, you know, before, or I should say that the loophole player that you're trading in um, plays after the person you're loopholing with, um, just so that you can move them to the field and, and take that emergency loophole score. Yeah, and especially if you um, if you do need that extra cash between getting, say, a Zorko or having to settle down for a, a Zera or a Neil or someone like that, um, it can definitely be beneficial to just grab that loophole up um, and, and just roll with it for the rest of the season. Um, those who have Sterndicker, though, um, I mean, uh, going going for the Fremantle loop might not be as important. But then just look at your Ruckman as well. Like, Gold Coast could be playing after Fremantle every game or, I mean, sorry, before Fremantle every game and as with the um, with the other Ruckman that you may have. So um, just really look at your fixtures. Look at what, you, what will benefit you the most. Um, it's definitely a situational type trade. Um, and having said that, we're going to jump into our premium chat pistol. Now, there's a main debate. I know it's happening within our main page. Um, I'm not sure how how wide this debate is, but it's mostly factored around Zach Merritt versus Lockie Neal. We all have our corners. We all have our arguments. Where are you signing, Pistol? <laughs> I know we uh, definitely disagree on this one. Um, I'm actually in the Zach Merritt camp, uh, which might surprise a few people. Um I just think he's a fantastic option. I mean, he's got a low of 83 this year. Um, so he's got a very high floor. Um, he, I guess he's had three scores above 130, um, his high being 137. If you look from last year, he averaged 122 after the buy. So I'm not really worried about him slowing down. And this year, he's averaged 117 in wins, which is quite significant for the reason that they actually play... All bottom eight teams, sorry, I should say bottom 10 teams, for the rest of the year, except for one, they have an amazing fixture. I'm talking about they could actually go on a run and finish near the top four. That's how good their fixtures are for the rest of the year. It is in just incredible, and I think they're going to win 
most of, if not all, of their games for the rest of the year, which is a big call, JB. But if that is true, I just don't see Merritt averaging you know less than 120 to finish the season. Mm. Yeah, Zach, Zach Merritt is a great option. There's no doubting that. Lockie Neal, on the other hand, um, besides his round one and round three scores of 83 and 84 when obviously the this, this season's just gotten kicking, um, he's got one score below the ton, which is um, the 55 against Adelaide in the pouring rain, uh, the bucketing rain, in which they got belted in. So besides a rough first few weeks and a, a really bad score against Adelaide, he scored below 119 just once, Pistol. That was 106 against Collingwood a couple of rounds ago. He's got scores of 129, 140, 119, 124, 147, 129, 134, 125 amongst all of those. Just such an amazing player. And when he's playing at his best, which he is 90% of the time, he he just goes on a rampage and he doesn't score less than 120. He rarely scores less than 120, let alone less than the ton. So... I just think he's he's such an uber premium option that I mean his score's been weighed down by one bad score of fifty five, and I think it's crazy not to jump on someone with such value. I know Zeret has um, just the four scores under the ton, all three, all four, sorry, being eighty plus still, but with Lockie Neal, he doesn't score one hundred and two, one hundred and five, one hundred and six, one hundred and twelve each week. He goes one twenty plus, or he, or he just, I mean. That that's all he does, pistol. So I think he's he's just such a crazy Uber premium to give up. And he's been doing Domain Stadium to at Melbourne, Domain Stadium to um Spotless, Domain Stadium to SCG. He's been doing that all year. He's used to the travel, so his fixture doesn't mean a whole lot. I just think he's gonna go huge in the second half of the season. I mean, look, JB, is there a bad choice between the two of them? There's definitely not. I think both both will average 115 for the rest of the season. I think they're both amazing options. And if you could get both in, um, if you've got two midfield spots that you're looking at, try and get these guys in ASAP before they jump up in price. Um, and then speaking of that, if you've got that extra 70K, um, 60, 70K, would you be going more towards a Dusty or Zorko? Um, Dusty, obviously, he's had his ups and downs, but when he scores, he scores massive. He goes 150+. plus. Zorko, on the other hand, has had two scores, both in a row of um, in the 80s, so not even that bad of a of, of a floor. The rest of them have just been mammoth. Um, if you had that extra 60, 70K, would you pocket it and go one of these fallen Uber premiums, or would you go for one of the, the prime Zorko, Dustin Martin category premiums? Look, I, I really think I would uh, go for the Neil and the Zeret option. I just think they're both going to storm home and you can save you know the 50 60k and get an arguably safer option than than dustin martin um i know that's not what the uh, averages currently suggest but uh that's just uh i guess the way that the the stats are lining up and the run homes are lining up for these uh, two players and yeah you can't you can't really go wrong with either of them um i guess just enjoy that you get to have them in your team yeah, and they're both decent points of difference as well. 4.9 percentage um, ownership on locking you. I'm not sure what Zach Merritt's is pistol, but I dare say it's just as low. Um, Dusty obviously owned by um, quite a bit more considering his huge start to the season. Um, and then the drop in price and then obviously the bounce back. So um, I, ju- I just think they're better options altogether. They're definitely better point of difference options and you save 70K while you do it. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that if Zeret, Neil, Dusty, and Zorko were all the exact same price, 
people would still go Neil and Zera over the um especially over Dusty. Um Zorko's on another level at the moment, but um there's always concerns of Rockliffe and Dane Beams uh coming back into form. He hasn't really played with both of them in the side. Um just like they haven't played with each other in the side that much. So I think there's a few unknowns around most premium picks. Zera and Neil just seem to be locked into their scoring systems. Yeah, no, both both great options. I do want to uh, ask you a question, JB. Um, a lot of people are probably going to have to decide if they're going to cull um, Berry or Stewart this week, um, probably for Luke Ryan. I say uh, Stewart has a break-even of 45 and Berry of um, 44. Who would you cull first? This is a difficult one. Um, I think I'd go... I, I think I'd cull Barry first. Um, having scored poorly on the weekend with uh, Zorko going crazy, Rockliffe had a bit of a downer, um, and so did Dane Beams. Imagine when all three of those go crazy, um, and Barrett's been looking to score um, just just a touch more on a regular basis anyway. I think Barry is more likely to score lower, whereas Stewart's been in the same team all year, and his last few weeks have just been sensational. I think Stewart's really put it together. He's a bit more of a mature age. I, I think... Stewart's got the more money to make, um, and I, I just I think he's got the higher, the slightly higher scoring scoring potential. But it's a real line ball call pistol. Who would you trade out? Um, it's interesting. Barry has the DPP, so he's probably more valuable in that aspect. But Tom Stewart in his last three has an average of eighty. Um, he's really adding an attacking element to his game. Um, when he started, I guess he was very scared. He was very lockdown um, defender. He wasn't running off his man, but he's playing with a lot of freedom at the moment, and his scores are reflecting that, and I think that that will continue um, for the rest of the year. So um, he would be, Tom Stewart would be someone I'd, I'd keep for a couple more weeks, um, and uh, Barry, unfortunately, has to make way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way to go. Stewart's um, scoring potential has just it's gone up by about 30 points in the last month. Um, do we have anything from the Cancer Council pistol? Unfortunately, no. Um, it seems like nobody uh, copped a donut in the last two weeks. Um, so there was no uh, donate for donuts. But maybe uh, in the run home, there might be some carnage and some uh, donuts there. But I think uh, it's going to be likely that next week there'll be a, a donation, especially when uh, Higgins doesn't score 110 plus. Pistol, come on. I'm not, I, it's just not going to happen. He's gonna score one ten plus quite soon. I'm not. I'm not sure it'll even take him more than three quarters to do so. <laughs> I love how I baited you very hard into donating for the council council, but I'm glad it worked. You should just score one ten plus and just make my week better. Um, that'll pretty much sign us off, Pistol. Do you have any last bits of advice um, heading into the what seems to be the final upgrade season? I think my best bit of advice is to look out for Gorn Steel. Yeah, I think um, that's that's certainly good advice. Everyone's keeping an eye on Gorn. We should say, um, I think we skipped over it, um, Buddy and Selwood both got off. Um, they are available to play this week, so um, that's really good news for, for owners. And just make sure that um, I think this, this Scott Selwood situation um, is going to affect a lot of teams uh, very differently, and, and not one advice fits all, unfortunately. Um, a lot of people do actually have him as their M9 already, um, which changes the, the whole um, face of what to do with him. It's really, if he was on your field as your M8, then um, you're going to have to definitely deal with that sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. It's very situational. And if we didn't quite get to your, um, your situational issue, make sure you leave a comment on the Facebook post because we do scroll through those on a daily basis. 
Um, it's obviously, as we say every week, it's hard to cover everyone's issues in one podcast. So um, leave the questions in the Facebook, leave the questions in the SoundCloud even, um, leave the questions in a review on iTunes. That'd be great because then we get good reviews. Um, it just check us out on all platforms. Um, if you have any other issues, Pistol will probably answer them in his spare time, Pistol. <laughs> um, I'll do my best, but please, uh, somebody comment and say that they don't care about JB's tipping because I just don't want to have to hear about it for the rest of the season. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, well, I doubt anyone will comment that, to be honest. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us, and thank you, Pistol, for joining me. <laughs> Thanks for having me, as always. <laughs> all right, catch you next week.